Welcome to the Creators on Comics podcast. This podcast is a conversation between two creators, dissecting the craft and technique that goes into creating comics. This episode features two cartoonists, Sean Dicker and Fel Hound. Sean is the creator of Uncovered Grave, published by Dauntless Stories, and Fel is the creator of Commander Rao, published by Scout Comics. Because they both write and illustrate their own work, I thought their conversation would give a unique perspective into the craft of making comics. Here's their conversation. Hey everybody, my name is Sean Dicker. Uh, I'm the creator of Uncovered Grave. It's a bi-weekly comic coming out of Dauntless Stories right now. Um, We're approaching the end of issue two currently. Uncovered Grave is a murder mystery series. Uh, It's all sorts of fun. It's got twists and turns. If you like true crime, if you like noir, I'm sure that you'll love the book. Um, And I hope that you give it a shot. Hello, everybody. I am Fel Hound. Uh, I am the creator of Commander Rao, uh, published by Scout Comics. It is a a dystopian action one-shot about a rogue commander on a warpath against a tyrannical baron, um, probably best known for her rocket boots, and uh, apparently a love of pastasos. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, Uncovered Grave. Um, That's coming out with Dauntless. It comes out weekly, right? So it's actually being announced today uh, that we're switching it to bi-weekly. So today is April 8th. So the next chapter will come out on um, April 15th and then every other week from there. Oh, that's very cool. Why the switch? I'm just curious. (laughs) Um, I do best when I'm doing a page a day. And lately I've been doing like 30 to 50 hour days um, to get everything out on time and making sure uh justin birch my letterer um can letter the book on time um he's been awesome he's been a great creative partner but i feel really bad about giving him like such tight deadlines so switching to bi-weekly gives me a little bit more time to um give a buffer so if one of us gets sick um like last week my dog got sick and uh it messed up the production a little bit and it, the chapter came out a few days late. So we're trying to avoid stuff like that. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm sorry to hear about your dog. I hope they're feeling better. <laughs> oh no, no, they're, my dog's totally fine. Um, it was just some stomach issues that got a little bit scary there for a bit of it, but we're fine now. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I, I mean, I definitely feel you on the crunch. Like I am a super slow artist. It takes me forever to draw a page, especially when you're like writing drawing coloring everything so like definitely that buffer time i'm glad you took it because honestly your pages look amazing in uncovered grave like thank you that means a lot a massive fan of how you ink things like it's just just, i don't know i think it sets the mood really well for your comic (laughs) yeah whenever i talk to editors they're like oh yeah your whole career is going to be nothing but like horror comics you know that right i'm like let's just steer into the skid with it and (laughs) get as dark and inky as we can with my pages yeah so how did you like um i guess like come about getting your art style i guess like the really cool rich blacks that is a great question the first comic i ever read was love and rockets by the hernandez brothers and then 
and I feel like their style is very black and white, a very graphic. And then the first comic that I picked up on my own at a comic shop uh, was Greg Capolo's uh, Batman run uh, for the new 52, which again is very graphic, very like black and white and lots of good shading. And I think I kind of just like found my voice in there. Um, I've always, before I switched over to comic work, like when I was just drawing for fun, um, I was always pushing the shadows and making everything very dark. So it just kind of like naturally lended itself when you move over to ink that you make things so black and white. So I think that's where I found my voice. That's really cool. I, I have 11 Rockets. I have the first like volume, Maggie the Mechanic. I, I haven't finished it yet. It's always been on my bucket list. I've just, I just need to find the time to get through it because it's, it's one of those classics, right? Yeah, uh, I totally get finding the time for things. Like I hadn't gone to a comic shop in four months and I just went for the first time like a few weeks ago because I, I wanted to get some new stuff. There's definitely a grind to the comic lifestyle. And you kind of just get lost in the sauce. Yeah, absolutely. the sauce. <laughs> yeah, what I think is really interesting and fun about this interview, though, is Jordan didn't know this going in, but I got Uncovered Grave mostly because of you and, like, the introductions that you made. Uh, this is, like, my third interview now, and I've been saying that, like, every time. So, yeah, I just want to thank you. Like, this is our first time, like, talking face-to-face. So I just want to thank you for that, like, helping introduce me to Marcus and all that like I wouldn't be here without you oh my gosh I mean thank you but also like I'm super glad that you managed to get your work in with Dauntless because like Marcus such a great guy and like I love everything Dauntless has been putting out I love that they're kind of I don't know I I feel like their stories like to I guess or, or at least the format of them like to pushed boundaries a little bit like with they published Starless Daydream and like Eat My Flesh Drink My Blood and like uh, I think Easton's um graphic prosella as they call it um Shadow of the Titans like I am super looking forward to that and I just like I am so happy to see your work there and I am you know whatever small part I had to play in it I, I am grateful it led you to getting published with Dauntless because honestly I think your work is great um I think Dauntless works are great and this is just like match made in heaven yeah yeah i'm super pumped about it so i am going to throw the same question back at you um because i thought it was a good question uh where did you find your art style like what made you want to make comics the way that you specifically do yeah so i think you know most of my art style is actually inspired by um uh, i guess a lot of these like fan artists that I see on on the internet so I grew up on like Tumblr you know I grew up on like fan art and everything when I was really into it fandom like that was my thing growing up so like you know I'd follow all these fan artists and some of my favorite ones um there's this artist who goes by Banished Shadow and they make a comic called Talon which is actually running on Kickstarter right now but they have this like super amazingly like, like their art style looks like every panel looks like it was captured from like an anime and it's super cinematic and, and I love the way they did it. And I think a lot of it was just me trying to like copy some of that art style because I, I love animation. Like I love Castlevania and Avatar and Korra and a bunch of other stuff. So I think that's kind of where my art style came from, trying to emulate the style of like animation, but in a comic book format. At least with Commander Rao, that was my goal to try to emulate that, that like, 
action anime feel. Yeah, well, let me tell you, you nailed that feeling. Uh, so every time I read a book, I always flip through the entire book first to kind of like get the general vibe. And the first thing I was like, damn, this is like, like I could feel the kinetic energy from panel to panel. Like I could feel it. And it was, it was so much fun reading Commander Rao. Um, the one thing I really like about Commander Rao is your coloring style. And I noticed throughout this book that you had three different coloring styles throughout it. You kind of like had your normal super saturated vibe to it. Um, and then in the flashback sequences, you had more like a, a sepia tone desaturated. And then the black and white panels, like those were such a stark contrast and really got my attention as I was reading it. Like, I feel like you pull off coloring as a storytelling device, like so well, like throughout Commander Rao. So what decisions did you make to like, kind of give it that vibe? So there's actually, there was actually a lot going on with the coloring because I feel like coloring is kind of like my... Uh, I, I guess one of my my strong points as an artist, like if, I don't know if you've saw some of the the process pages I had. I, I think they were only like the Kickstarter edition that I put them in, but like my my line art is very minimal. I, I mostly do all everything in the colors. So um, I think mostly my first challenge was that Commander route took place at nighttime, and initially I had a lot of trouble figuring out how to light the scene because it was nighttime in the middle of nowhere and I didn't know where the lighting was going to come from because when I first colored it everything looked very dark so then I decided that I would just put in a lot of fire in the background in the first few pages and that's kind of also where the rocket boots came in because she didn't have rocket boots originally um okay. it was only when I started coloring it and I was like I, I can't you can't see where Commander Rao was going because everything was so dark. So I was like, I'm just going to give her fire boots so then we can see where she's going. Um, and yeah, and, you know, a lot of it I did, you know, um, that artist I was talking about, Banna Shadow, they actually had like a tutorial on how they colored. So I was just kind of following that and trying to like blend it into my style. Um, and then with the flashbacks too, I guess, like the flashback scenes. Um, I wanted to give those colors like an old timey World War II-ish kind of nostalgic feel. Cause I felt like that, you know, a lot of Commander Rao was inspired by like, you know, historical wars and events. So that was the vibe I wanted to give it. And then with the black and white scenes, uh, I didn't color those because those are the moments that I really wanted to kind of you know, as you said, have that stark contrast. I wanted those moments to feel slowed down in a way compared to the rest of the comic. Like the rest of the comic is very flashy, but in those black and white moments, I wanted them to just make you like a stop and look at them for a moment and see that moment kind of play out differently than the rest of the comic. So yeah, it, like, those black and white moments definitely made me pause and like I stopped in my tracks and I was like, oh, this is really important. So I, I analyzed like the entire panel when it switched to that black and white moment. Well, I am super glad it worked. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, speaking of like, I guess, paneling and, and I, I guess creative use of paneling and the colors and all that, I was reading Uncovered Grave and in the recent chapters, one part that really stood out to me was your, your interrogation scene and how... Yeah you know, you put in those like little panels in between your bigger panels about how each person 
I, I guess, like the body language throughout the interrogation and like those little moments where someone's like biting the nail and the little moments, you know, where someone's like tapping the desk. And I thought that was so cool. And I was just wondering, like, how did you come out or like come up with um, that idea to do that interrogation scene that way? So I noticed that you did inset panels a lot throughout uh, Commander Rao too. So this was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you <laughs> as well. But uh, I've always loved inset panels as a storytelling device. Um, I talked about it in some of the bo bonus content in one of the chapters, but I've always treated inset panels like a moment within a moment. It's a different perspective of the panel that I'm showing you. It's a closer look at something that might go overlooked. And for this scene in particular and in the interrogation scenes, I wanted the reader to see exactly what Dave, uh, the detective in the comic, is seeing at that moment, exactly what type of information he's getting from each of these people, um, what things he can play on, like what things um, he can try to like coax them out of their shell and get to the hard truth of what happened to Lily. So yeah, I, I've always used inset panels. This is just the first time I've been able to use them and uncover grave. I always try to sneak them in in all of my projects though. I think they're a great storytelling device. The first time I saw an inset panel was in Outcast by Robert Kirkman and Paul Azaketa. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And I fell in love with that storytelling device. Like just being able to see the same panel in different uh, viewpoints was really cool. And I had to snag that. And I think everybody in their art just like snags little bits of like visual dialogue here and there from everybody and like creates their own style with that. So yeah, that, that's where the inset panels came from. Yeah. Like, I, I think, you know, the way that you use them, especially in Uncovered Grave was like ex extremely effective. I think it's, it was like a very powerful storytelling moment. It's like, you know, you know, I think it really tells the power of the art in comic book storytelling where you can tell so much without saying a word. And I think that's, you know, that's really awesome. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad that that came across. Like, I feel like every time you try to do something different or unorthodox, there's always a chance that it doesn't necessarily hit uh, with readers and doesn't necessarily connect. But I mean, the best comics that are made right now are daring and push the boundaries. I always approach my panels as each one is a set moment in time, which is why you'll see so many of my panels being like the four panel tier system or in the interrogation scene, it's like a three tier system. Uh, it's, I approach each panel like it's the same amount of time. And then with those inset panels, it's like a little glimpse. It's a little bit of time. It's a little, it's a little moment. In that way, like every every character gets the same amount of screen time, every character gets the same treatment and the same amount of time with the reader. The one thing that I was struggling with so much in that interrogation scene was I realized that there were a lot of suspects at the being introduced to people at the same time. And I wanted the reader to get involved with them all and have like an emotional attachment to them all in some sort of sense. Uh, which is why when I first introduce them to the reader, I walk them through their day. Uh, I was really nervous about if that was going to work, but I walk them through like how they wake up, how they go to work, what they do for work, and like 
when they get home and like Dave shows up and is like, Hey, I'm here, motherfucker. Like, okay, let's go. I got questions. But yeah, that's that's basically how I try to approach the page and like storytelling. Wonderful. Yeah. As you said, you know, the way you introduce the characters, I thought that was really neat because I you know as you said when you first introduce them you know you know you see these characters their families and they're just going about their day and you know I think one of the biggest problems that I have when it comes to my own storytelling is that I've never really figured out how to juggle like a large cast of people like Commander Rao has like two characters in them and you really the the only one that has any kind of backstory is Commander Rao (laughs) so I'm wondering like did you have any struggles I, I guess um, juggling this cast of characters that you had. Before I answer that, I just want to say, I think you did a great job introducing Commander Rao. Like when I first opened up the comic and I saw the newspaper clipping, I was like, okay, this is cool. And I sat there and I read everything. And it ends with a question of like, but what's her story? And I was like, okay, cool. That's what this story is going to be about. And I don't think I've ever seen that be done in a comic before. I don't think I would have had the courage to do something like that, but it works so well for Commander Rao. Because like you flip that page and you get kinetic action and you get kinetic movement and you go almost to like a cold open. And I think that was really cool. But uh, as far as juggling the cast for Uncover Grave, I started off with the ending. So I only had two characters in mind when I started for, like, sorry, I almost say Commander Rao. Um, when I started Uncover Grave, I only had the killer and the, the victim in my mind. And I kind of built everything around that. So I kind of added characters to fill in archetypal roles um, that I needed throughout the story. And each one is kind of a different type of friend that you might have when uh, you grow up and like, suburbia and whatnot so i kind of built the story around that like it was actually really funny the day chapter one came out somebody from my high school i haven't talked to in like probably 10 years at this point dm'd me on instagram and was like so who is lily based on and i i thought that like in that moment i was like okay cool like it clicks like everybody knows somebody like lily somebody knows that somebody who is always in the background kind of watching everything. And once I started steering into that skittle a bit more of the archetypal roles that all these characters have, everything clicked into place. The struggle of it was making sure the reader could connect with them as much as I do, because they live in my head, you know, like I know exactly what Lewis was doing on his 17th birthday or whatever, or John was doing in those 20 years that we don't necessarily see him, but the reader doesn't necessarily have all that information. So that that was the biggest struggle for me. So that's why I spent so much time in that interrogation scene and like the introduction, getting the reader to know the characters. Cause I don't think the story would have as much of an emotional payoff if I didn't let everybody spend that time with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, like I definitely think the emotional connection is important, but I, I think you pulled it off pretty well considering, you know, like how, how much storytelling space you had. Even those like little moments, as you said, even with the inset panels, I think those told a lot. And I love how much thought you actually put behind all the characters to make them, you know, unique and different, even though they fit into these kind of archetypes. But I don't know, I, th- I think that's what makes it kind of 
fun <laughs> in a way. Yeah, like it's strange. The character I'm actually having the most fun drawing is not the character I thought I would be having fun drawing going into it. Like every time that I draw Lewis, the radio personality, I have so much fun drawing him. And like, I love drawing smoke and people smoking. I don't know why. It's just, I think it just fits my vibe of like drawing. But every time I get to like throw a cigarette in somebody's hand, I feel like I have some fun drawing those panels. Where did the idea of Uncovered Grave come from, actually, now that you're talking about, you know, the high school influences and all that? Um, that is a great question. So I started Uncovered Grave as a five-page pitch back before COVID happened. I lost my job due to COVID, and I was kind of just, like, scrambling, trying to find, like, art to do and, like, start my comics career. And the last time I had talked to an editor, they told me that my career should probably just be like street level superheroes or horror comics, but I didn't necessarily have somebody writing those types of stories with me. And I had never written a horror, like a a crime story before. So this was my first time really trying to like handle that genre. I kind of just wanted to like do something really fucked up and off the walls and something that nobody would expect. And I, I think I had just seen Knives Out and I love the twists and turns that Knives Out had. And I loved how Knives Out always kept me on the edge of my seat. Like you always knew who the killer was in Knives Out, but you didn't really know who the killer was. And that's kind of the vibe I wanted to ha- give the readers throughout the, the entire process is like, you know, Lily's dead. And at the end of issue one, like spoiler alert, everybody, you find out that all of the friends were involved in it but you don't know how or why. And I kind of wanted to tell a story about four friends trying to get away with murder. And that's where that story came from. Throughout the process, like it definitely became about writing about friendships and regret and legacy. Uh, As we get closer to the ending of the story that that stuff will all become more evident. But the way I write is I always write about personal stuff. The book I hope to do after Uncover Grave, uh, before it all, um, I recently started getting uh, in better terms with my brother. So that story is very much about like family dynamics and the relationship you might have with somebody after you've gone through a lot together at like your formative years. So I was wondering if Commander Rao, like the ending of Commander Rao is very personal and it feels very raw. I was wondering if you had like your own personal experiences baked into that story. That's a, that's a very good question. Um, so it's funny because when I made Commander out, I just wanted to make like a cool fight scene. Like it was originally supposed to be just an eight page fight scene. And then it just got expanded and expanded. Like, I feel like as, as an artist and a writer, you just want to keep adding pages to your story until somebody stops you or like the story gets too big and you're like, oh no, what am I doing? So that was kind of how Commander Out came about. Um, in terms of the story, I don't know why I'm always drawn to like like angst and romances. And I am kind of like a sucker for a, a tragedy, unfortunately. But I don't know. I, I just feel drawn to those stories for some reason. But yeah, um, I don't know. I think I think loss or like the themes of loss has always been, I guess, you know, you know, a, a part of my life in some ways. Um, if, if not like a present part, it's always a fear of loss. So I think 
that was kind of what inspired Commander Rao, just, you know, even that's that fear of loss, that fear of abandonment or something like that. And We Love You, which is the sequel to Commander Rao, actually has a lot more personal stuff to it, but that's a story for another day because <laughs> I don't want to take up too much time. But yeah, I, I think, I don't know, I, I just like romances, I like tragedy, and it just kind of came about that way. Yeah, to, going into it, it feels very, it feels like a classic war comic almost, but with more, obviously more emotion to it than a lot of war stories. Going into it, did you have a background in reading like war comics or like stuff like that? Or did you just want to draw, like you said, just a badass fight scene? Well, a bit of both. I never read a lot of war comics, but I've always, I've always had an interest in, I guess, history. Like I like to watch a lot of them, like war dramas. I like to watch a lot of documentaries. You know, I read up a lot of stuff about World War One and World War Two, and it always kind of, I, I guess, fascinated me in a way that history. So I did put some of those influences into Commander Rao. Another thing that influenced Commander Rao was that I was I was watching this anime called The Rose of Versailles, and it's about the French Revolution. So then I suddenly got very into the French Revolution, and I put in, I guess, aspects of those designs and aspects of that history into Commander Rao. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, what influenced parts of it. Other than that, I kind of just wanted to draw like a badass lady in armor and yeah. giant axe. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely... Now that you're talking about like the French Revolution and whatnot, I can see those influences in Commander Rao's design. Um, I literally wrote in my notes going into this inter- like this interview that Commander Rao looks like in their downtime, they're sick- sipping tea with like the royalty, and then for the other 20 hours of the day, like kicking complete and utter ass. Yeah, so I think you did a great job designing Commander Rao as well. Thank you. I yeah. played Bloodborne. I have not. Okay, because another big part of Commander Rao's design, there's a character in Bloodborne called Lady Maria who has like this really cool design. I don't know how to say it, but she looks like, I don't know, she kind of looks like a pirate almost, but she yeah. has this amazing design which inspired Commander Rao. And I, I don't know, Lady Maria is like this, I guess, like a four minute boss fight in like this 40 hour game, but she just looks so cool and even though you didn't see her for that long I, she still made such an impression and I felt like that was kind of the vibe I wanted in Commander Rao's design like you don't see her for very long because she's only in like these 30 pages of the book which isn't that long but uh, she still makes an impression despite not having that many pages to tell her story in and I think you like the character design is a part of that almost if you have a, like a like a striking character design then hopefully it'll grab the reader's attention as much as whatever story storytelling you're trying to do. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think one thing that a lot of people don't realize is character design can be just as big of a storytelling device as the actual visual storytelling is. Um, a lot can be told just through like the way somebody presents themselves. And I think like as both like writer and artist, we have a almost like a deeper understanding of our character, like going into the storytelling process, because we know how they look and act in our own heads. At least for me, I don't know if that that's how it is for you. Sure. And yeah, like I like character designing. I think it's fun. It's it's fun to make a, you know, just have like, like a little fashion show with your characters in your head. Yeah, it's it's one of the hardest processes for me because a lot of my stories are very grounded in reality. 
So I always struggle with how zany do I want to get the, make these character designs, but also still make it feel like it's 1955. Like every part of me wanted to go big and bombastic, but I knew that wasn't the story I was telling. So unfortunately I didn't get to draw like all sorts of weird 1950s fashion. I tried to like reel it in, but I love seeing like cool, fun character designs and stuff like this. And you can definitely see like the anime vibes that you're trying to like pull inspiration from throughout Commander Rao. So you were just saying a second ago that when you write your stories that you deal a lot with like the theme of loss, I'm not going to like get into like the personal stuff right now. Cause I don't think that this is the space, but for me personally, like whenever I'm writing stuff, I started drawing first of all, as a way of dealing everything with everything that I was struggling with as a kid. Uh, and that leaked itself into my writing as well. I kind of find it like therapeutic in a sense uh, I'm a broke artist, so I don't necessarily get to pay for therapy, but I find that like a lot of the time, like writing and drawing my comics lends me time to work through all of the things that I've struggled with and all of the things um, I'm dealing with at that present moment. Do you have that same thing in your creative process? Oh, 100%. <laughs> like, I feel like one of the reasons I am so drawn to, I guess, storytelling you know, regardless of whether it's comics, prose, or anything, is just because, you know, I feel like there's a lot of things that I've never knew how to communicate to other people sometimes. Like, things are difficult that you don't know how to process, and sometimes I think writing about them and, and using, like, your, your characters and your story as, like, a mouthpiece to talk about those difficult subjects has helped kind of, you know, has helped me kind of navigate those, um, difficult times or difficult feelings so I and I think in some ways you know writing a more like tragic story or like a sad story something personal to you is always like I don't want to say it's like a like a cry for help because that sounds a little more dramatic than what I'm trying to go for but it's like a way to communicate with people how you're feeling that they might not have known so I, I definitely think that you know it is very cathartic and very therapeutic just being able to write those stories and and get those feelings and stuff out there was a comic that i tried to do and i pitched to a bunch of companies before uncovered grave happened called katrina it was a really sad love story and it was all about like loss and grief and how that affects the creative process and it just so happened to be around the time that my grandma died that I started writing about that. And she was such a huge advocate for me pursuing art in the first place that not having her around to show like all, I lost her when I was still in art school. So she didn't get to see Uncovered Grave happening and all of the cool stuff that I'm doing right now with comics. But whenever something big happens in my life, I feel like I'm always coming up with a new story to like, deal with it and like compartmentalize it and break it down into smaller issues and fit it into smaller boxes. Yeah. I think it's such an interesting part of the creative process, just how we as storytellers and us as artists get to work through our personal shit at the reader's expense. <laughs> I, I feel like that's kind of what in some ways the readers want though because like when I'm reading stories I, I want to feel that connection with the author, the author as well and I feel like there's something uh, I guess more 
special or like there's there's a different kind of connection when you feel like you can have that sort of like I understand what you're feeling with the author and I feel like you know those feelings shine when you put them in the work so I you know I, I enjoyed reading about them and I enjoy writing them and I think you know everything you said about using storytelling to kind of compartmentalize your feelings I think it's important and it's you know it's not a bad thing it's I think it's a very good thing that we're doing that <laughs> yeah and I think with Rao you did a really good job of making the story feel so personal and intimate you do have a, like a small cast like you said but if you feel everything that Commander Rao is saying and you feel everything that she's going through and you feel the stakes almost like at the end of the issue, like the fight scene, yeah, there's always like death involved in fight scenes and all that fun stuff. But I feel like the most tension was when Commander Rao was with the Baron and they were up on that balcony and you could feel just how important everything was to her in that moment. And I, I was like, come on, dude, just answer the fucking question. Like you, you deserve like she deserves to know this at least and I feel like the best comics and the best stories just in general definitely have that like really intimate feeling to them and you capture that expertly well in that like final scene in Rao so I just want to congratulate you for that I feel like it's really hard for people to get there yeah I think one of the most surprising things about making Commander Rao was that you know, as I said, I, I only made this to practice fight scenes initially. I wasn't, you know, in my head, I always thought that when people read Command Around, the thing that would jump out most at people or the thing that people would pay attention to most would be the fight scenes. But from the feedback that I've gotten over the last two years, I think the, the one thing that stuck with people the most was the story and was Commander Rao's personal journey. So that was a very surprising to me, but I'm, I'm really glad that it pulled through, especially with the amount of, I guess, pages I had to tell that story because most of it was fight scenes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the lettering also had a huge part to do with the story. Were some of the lettering decisions up to you or was that uh, letter squids? Uh, so Letter Squids, the amazing, beautiful, talented letterer of Commander Rao actually pretty much did all of the decision making. Like okay. when I was talking to Letter Squids, we were talking about, you know, because I've never written a script for Letter before. So I've never, I've, this is actually my first time even writing a comic script because usually I just did everything for myself. So I was just like, oh, you know, I'll just have like a, a rough draft, a rough outline, but yeah, so I asked Gwiz how he'd like me to script the, I guess, sound effects, and he was like, I actually prefer to put them in myself, because he has his own, I guess, way of doing things, he has his own way of um, making sound effects that look cool to him, so I was like, okay, like, I still put some of the sound effects in, so I didn't look like a lazy writer, but you know, I, I put them in, but I also told Squiz that you can just do whatever you want, do whatever you think looks cool. I think one of the big things when it comes to me collaborating with other people is that I want to give them that kind of creative freedom because I feel like people work best when they have, you know, the freedom to contribute or, or do what they think looks cool. So I just told Squiz to go do whatever he wanted, have fun, just do whatever you think looks cool. And then he just 
made it look extremely badass. He put in like most of the sound effects in there. I didn't even write half the sound effects. He just like like the crosshairs, um, the, the the designs, the UI, like everything was all squids. He sent me the pages, and I was like, oh my god, I'm blown away. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Like, so you did you have like the heads-on display within the script at all, or was that entirely on like squids? No, I, I like the squids was very minimal. I just had like the dialogue. I had like some pew pew here and there, some boom, <laughs> but like like not nearly as much as what squids put in. <laughs> squids just kind of took it. He was like, he he like just really much just ran with it, and I love that because I feel like you can see letter squids lettering shine through as much as anything else on the page, and I don't know. I just think that's really cool. <laughs> No, no, I I really enjoyed the lettering within your comic. Like, there's gravity to it, and there's energy, and I really enjoyed it as much as the comic. It, I feel like letterers get the shorthand a lot, and I feel like good lettering can make a, a good comic like Commander Rao just like that much better in my book. Yeah, that's really interesting, though. That that's really cool. You're working with the legendary Justin Birch. How was that like? Uh, Justin is a fantastic collaborator. So I did the five pages for Uncover Grave, or well, I actually did the first four, and then I shelved it because I was working with somebody else on another project uh, for a while, and that was getting lettered by Justin as well. And that is how I met Justin. Um, he was the first person to ever letter my pages, and he's actually lettered every project that I've had come out. So I. I feel like a very strange, like you're my letterer now. Like you're just going to stick around me for however long you choose to stick by me. But Justin's awesome. I don't think I've ever given him any feedback. Like, Hey, can you fix this? He's just an awesome collaborator to work with. Awesome dude. And the speed at which he works is dumbfounding to me. Uncovered Grave would not be coming out as well or as quickly as it is without Justin. And I try in the bonus content, like with every chapter in my little afterward to be like, Justin is the best. I love you, Justin. Cause I don't think letterers get as much love as they deserve. And that's why I was so, it was so cool for me to see Justin's name on the cover for issue one as well. I didn't ask Marcus to put, put it there it just already was. And that was something that I was going to ask him to do, but having it already been there, it really solidified the fact that Marcus and the Dauntless team respects every part of the collaborative process that makes comics the way it is. Yeah. Like I definitely think, you know, letterers are so important. Like they can make or break a book and having a good letter is like everything i have tried lettering my own stuff before it did not look good and you know that is why for commander Rao, i'm like i have to find a letter for this because i would just fail completely there's there's like a difference in my brain between like art and like graphic design and those things have just not meshed like i don't know about you but i am a terrible graphic designer <laughs> i took a lettering class at my the art school that i went to and through those like 10 weeks that I was taking that class, like I found a new respect for letterers. Uh, I, we had to do hand lettering for the entire time and then like digitally add it in over like pre-existing comic art. But it was so incredibly hard and 
painstakingly difficult. After that course, I have learned to love and respect and look for good lettering in every comic that I see. It's definitely cool like to see Justin getting as much love as he deserves. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm, I'm a big fan of Justin's work. It's funny, Letter Squid's name is also Justin, so I think there's something about letterers named Justin who are just like very good. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the cream of the crop, yes. if you will. <laughs> I mean, as you're saying, like, um, you know, I've noticed Dauntless is really good about putting credits on their books, like Starless Daydream, or I think Marcus put like all 20 people's names on the cover. And I'm just like, you guys are amazing. Like that is, that is so cool to see. And it's unfortunate that, you know, sometimes, you know, really important people who've contributed on the books don't get the credits they deserve. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing that I really admire about Dauntless is not only do they give credit where credit is due, but they're willing to take risks on like creators and do like really crazy things. Like this is my first book that I've ever done and it's a full 96 pages. And I think any other publisher would have been like, Sean, you're out of your fucking mind. If you thought I was going to let you do 96 pages of people just talking. Uh, Marcus called me throughout like the entire process um, before uncover grave started coming out and we sat there and like just brainstormed everything because he wanted me to be as much about like part of like the creative process and like the releasing of it as he was so it was actually my idea to add the bonus content onto the book and he loved the idea and i i have like a list of all 16 chapters what's going to be coming out with each one if anybody wants to work with Dauntless, I highly recommend working with Dauntless. They've been awesome to be a part of. Nice. So is that a bonus content? Like, cause I know the book is eventually going to be compiled and, and printed. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So after all 16 chapters are out, we're going to be printing out the book and shipping it off to people if they selected that tier. So there's three tiers. There's the digital only, the physical only, and then the hybrid method that gets both the weekly new or bi-weekly newsletter and the physical book at the end. All of the bonus content that has come out for the book won't be in the physical edition, but some of it will be. Nice. So how did, did you, I guess you and Dauntless come up with releasing the book that way, like with the weekly chapters and then compiling it? Was that something on your end? Was that something on Dauntless's end? So that's the way Marcus brought it up to me when he showed interest in Uncover Grave. He wanted it to be the first serials book that Dauntless did. And I'm a big fan of like Shonen Jump. I I love One Piece. So when he was like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about like releasing it bi-weekly and we can do just short little chapters, short little episodes. I instantly was like, oh, this is my Shonen Jump fix, but everybody can get some Uncovered Grave. So I was instantly right on board. I love doing cool and different things with storytelling and uh releasing comics i feel like we are very much the industry is very much in a chokehold on like a brick and mortar shops and your mom and pop shops i love them i love going into comic book shops but i think a lot of the time we need to move with the times and like evolve with people and there's very much like a binge mentality going around right now you got to get your fix of your show like as soon as it comes out and like you got to sit on Netflix and watch the whole season in one sitting. So that's why I really like 
the format that Uncovered Grave is coming out in. Everybody that I've talked to about it is like the second that I want another chapter, another chapter comes out. And the biggest struggle for with me as a comic book reader is waiting that full month for a new issue of a comic to come out. So yeah, that's why I wanted to be part of the serials program at Dauntless so that I could try something new. But yeah, well, that's really cool. And I think, you know, especially with the story like Uncovered Grave, the serial format works really well because you have like a crime mystery story. So like every week I'm, I want to know like what's going on with the grave? Like who, who, who murdered <laughs> Billy? So I, th- I think that's a really good format and a very good story to tell in that format. Yeah. So the way I originally had it scripted was not broken up into six pages at all. So when Marcus originally told me that this is how Uncovered Grave is going to come out, I had to completely rewrite the entire book because a lot of the time, like those six page, six page marks, like fell in the middle of a scene in the way that I've written everything out so far. I don't want each chapter to end on like an awkward note. Like this is halfway through a conversation. I want the other half. I try to give everybody like that page turn feel, if that makes sense at all. I want everybody to want to get to that next chapter and be like, oh shit, this is crazy. What's going on? So it it was definitely a writing challenge to add in like almost a page 24 on every sixth page to get keep readers interested. So is the story already fully written or are you like making up those extra pages as you go along? Uh, it was fully written as is. Uh, I had a cut. It was written as an 100 page story. So I cut four pages and then I had to restructure it to fit the six page chapters. But the one thing that I like to do that I don't think I would have done if I had written this for anybody else is I've added like little Easter eggs and like little clues in the backgrounds of all of the chapters for the bonus content that's coming out uh, soon. I counted up just how many clues are in each chapter. And I think there's 22 out right now. Some of them are like blink and you'll miss it. Others are like right in your face. So I try to add like little things for readers that are like really paying attention like really trying to solve this mystery. So the ending won't be a, a huge, like pull the rug out from under your feet because it's always been there. You just kind of have to look for it. Well, I have to go back and reread all of it. <laughs> look for these 22 clues. And I feel like I'm playing, you know, Where's Waldo, but no, that's really cool. I, I love like the amount of thought that you put into this, like, especially with the visual aspects. Yeah, so I don't script out all of the clues that I add in. It's just like usually just like I'm drawing the page. I'm like, oh, this would look cool. The The reason why I added all these clues in is because I wanted to add re-readability to it all, especially because I know that there's people that are reading it week to week and then will also be reading it, hopefully, when the book comes out. I added all the clues and in, baked into the book that way every time you read it, you might get something different and some more out of each read. Um, You might pick up on a little something here, a little something there that you didn't get before. So I I try to reward fans and readers as much as I can. Oh, that's awesome. Like I I know when I was making Commander Rao, like I tried to put, because I had so little space to actually tell the story, I also tried putting in like a lot of little tidbits here and there. 
like on on that front newspaper page, if you look on like the top right corner, there's actually, you, you know, like we all know Commander Rao's journey was that she was trying to find, you know, the body of her loved one. And in the end, she <laughs> doesn't really exactly find success. But if you look yeah. on like, the top right corner of the very first like newspaper page, I'm going to see like a little, a little headline that's like, um, you know, a headline that kind of suggests that they are still looking for these bodies, that they are trying to find all the lost soldiers who they lost in the war. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I think it's a little things. Like you said, it adds rereadability and it's kind of rewards the readers for like paying attention and all that. Yeah, that's dope. <laughs> I, I love seeing little things like that. I love Easter eggs. That's fantastic. Yes. And now I have to go back and try to figure out you know, two murdered Lily with these 22 clues. <laughs> Some of them are literally like you're, hopefully you're, you'll reread it and be like, how did I miss this in the first place? Um, some of them are very, like, very much like blink and you'll miss it. Some of them are in code. I, I try to add like all sorts of different things. About the shape of the rose petals in one of the panels, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing that extreme. <laughs> no, nah, everything is like, baked into the backgrounds, um, body language of characters, things like that. Some of them are very overt. Others I've baked into the story that they make sense for the story, but they're also clues as well. Once you get to the end and all is revealed, everything kind of like makes more sense. Yeah. I've had tons of people hit me up already hitting me with their, their theories on what happened. And I love seeing stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, you could be farther from the truth, but nice thinking. Well, no, I think that's the best though, because you're getting that kind of engagement. You're getting like readers like invested in, in like telling you their theories. And I think that's one of the, the coolest parts about being a creator and getting your story out there is having that that audience engagement and then reacting to the story. And it, I don't know, I think it's part of the fun of being a creator, just like yeah. react. The first time somebody hit me up, like in my DMs about, uh, their theory for Uncover Grave, like I couldn't get, stop smiling the rest of the day. I was like, oh, sweet. People are reading my comic and like thinking about it. That, that's so cool. Like, especially because this is my first book, I didn't know what to expect going into it. Everybody ex wants their book to be like a smash hit and make oogles amounts of money and like Hollywood deals and all of that. But my goal was just to have at least one person really connect to it and like week to week really try to connect with it and like solve this mystery alongside Dave and the fact that people were doing that like oh, it was perfect like I honest I, I think one of the I guess most uh, rewarding parts of being a creator really is that you know how the audience um, reacts to it and follows along but also it's like you have like this intent with how you want your story to go. And I think when readers, you know, get that intent, then that means, I, I don't know, to me, that's how I measure success when it comes to my stories. It's like, if I made a sad story and it makes people feel sad, then I've done my job. And if you make it like a murder mystery and people are along for the mystery and they want to solve it, then, you know, you've done a, your job because you've made like a very good and very engrossing murder mystery. So well done. <laughs> Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. The first time I've ever had like that feeling of, oh, I made people feel something. 
So going back to earlier, I wrote Katrina originally as a script for one of my college classes. And we read issue four in class as a class. And my professor started weeping, like full of just sobbing in the middle of class, reading my script. I was like, okay, I'm going to be trying to like chase this feeling for the rest of my life. Cool. (laughs) God, you make your professor cry. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun, actually. (laughs) Did you still get that A or? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I did. Um, He pulled me aside after class. I was like, you're okay, right? Like, I don't need to be worried about you. <laughs> that, that's that's nice of that professor that seems like a good guy and that he cares and that he really likes your work. So that's awesome. Yeah, I know. Uh, we all get our start somewhere, which I think is a great transition into. So what drew you to making comics? Like, why did you choose comics out of all of the things that you could have done with your artistic talent? Like, what got you here? So I've always liked telling stories, but I've never, to be honest, like I enjoyed reading comics growing up, but they, I've never really thought about making them. Um, But I've always liked writing. I wrote a lot of like shitty poetry in high school. I wrote a lot of like not that great prose in high school as well. And then at one point I realized, or I thought to myself, oh my God, writing is very hard writing prose and description and dialogue, it's so hard. What if I just like drew pictures instead? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that drawing would be a lot easier than just writing it. Um, I turned out to be very wrong because drawing is very hard, but that was kind of how I fell into that pathway of like possibly moving my storytelling into a visual medium. Um, And around that time, I think it was at the end of high school, beginning of college, I also, picked up Batwoman Elegy by Greg Rucka and J.H. Williams. And J.H. Williams is like such a massive like idol of mine. Like I love the way he's so creative with the panel layouts, with the, like just the way he draws. I think it just blows my mind because there's like nothing else really like it that you see on comics. So I read Batwoman Elegy. I was totally blown away. And I, I was like, this is it. This is like, the coolest medium on earth like look at how cool these pages are and, and one day I want to make a story that blows other people's minds as much as Batwoman Elegy blew my mind so that was kind of how I kind of stumbled my way into the comics way of storytelling that's awesome that's really cool uh yeah for me like I started writing as a way to give myself something to draw so it's, it's cool to see somebody have like the opposite approach to comics that's really cool for me i don't know if you've ever read uh greg capolo and scott snyder's batman run but there's an issue within the court of owls series so like i think it's maybe like issue 10 or something where the book flips and like rotates and like you end up reading the comic upside down and that was the moment for me that everything clicked and I was like, okay, I need to tell stories right now. Like, this is cool as fuck. And that that was the moment that I was like, okay, I'm a comic book artist now. I get it. Oh, that, that's so cool. I, I feel like I do. Like, I've always been meaning to read Court of Owls because I've heard so many good things about it. And I haven't read that many Batman books before. So I feel like that's like a fairly good jumping point because it was, was it New 52 or? Yeah, it, it, it was the start of the New 52, yeah. Yeah, so that sounds like a good jumping on point. 
Yeah, Greg Capolo is a master storyteller. I love his stuff. His black placement. I when I first started drawing comics, I studied his black placement and how he used that as a storytelling device. I think it's a great thing for every artist to like look at every now and again. And every time like I'm in like the struggle bus and I can't get the pencil to move on the page. I just every once in a while, like I have my bookshelf of comics, like right sitting next to me at my desk and I'll just flip open like one of the comics that got me into reading comics and making comics and let that inspiration flow through me. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like I need to, sometimes I feel like a little bad because I don't study the medium enough. Like I, I, I feel like I should do more research and read more books and stuff. But at the same time, I feel like there's, I don't know, there, there's something cool about just like going through trial and error and figuring out your own path and your own way of making things. So that's kind of how I fell into stuff like that. No, but, I 100% agree. Like your style feels really fresh and and new. I, I don't necessarily, it's not necessarily something that you see a lot like in the comic book market right now. And I feel like you're carving out like your own little like area of comics. And I think that that's really cool and special. So maybe don't do research into the, into the industry. Just keep on doing you. Like you're a fantastic artist. That's, that's, that's enough. That's enough said, like you're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're a fantastic artist too. I've said this a million times, but I, I love the way you ink things. I love the way you put in, those spot blacks i've never been able to wrap my head around like like putting in shadows like my head works in colors it doesn't work in black and white so like i am very impressed by people who know how to ink things and know where to lay those blacks so that it sets the mood and you can still tell what the characters are doing like kudos i i, I love your art style <laughs> yeah thank you so much that really does mean a lot like as far as black goes the way i try to think about it i think of things not through color but um shapes so I always like think of like there's a light side and a dark side and I always just whatever dark side of the shape there is I just cover that in black entirely uh and then the uh, like you also have to try to like alternate black and white areas to try to like make sure everything's clear and nothing gets lost and there's still contrast and all of that but it makes sense that you see everything in color. Like your coloring is top notch. I really enjoy seeing your colors on the page. Like they vibrate off of one another and it helps tell the story in a really cool and interesting way. Well, thank you. And I feel like I just learned something new about, you know, thinking about, I guess your scenes in terms of dark and light. So that's really cool. <laughs> thank you again, Phil, for coming out and like talking to me. This was awesome getting to like meet you like face to face. We talk in like the Twitter DMs like frequently. So it was cool to like put a face to everything. Everybody, you need to go check out Fell's work. One of the best artists coming out right now, blowing up the indie scene. Yeah, and Uncover Grave won't be coming out without them. So, you know, that that's the stamp of approval. Like, I can't say anything more to that. Oh, thank you, Sean. It was fantastic talking to you. It was fantastic meeting you as well. Like, I love talking to you through Twitter DMs. And I love being able to pick your brain throughout this whole creative process. Um Uncovered Grave is a fantastic crime mystery story and it comes out weekly. And as you've heard, there are 22 clues that we all have to look for. So everybody go buy it and then we can all hunt for the clues together.
Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you to Sean and Fell for joining us for this discussion. Uncovered Grave can be found at dauntlessstories.com. Commander Rao and the rest of Fell's work can be found at fellhoundart.com. As always, I'll attach those links in the episode description. Special thanks to Matt Campbell for composing our music and Jeff Harmatz for designing our logo. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creators on Comics podcast.